Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett of the Movie Nights, and if you're listening to this, it's because you want to hear my uncensored and unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies, and so thank you so much for being here. Sorry again, there's no video just yet. Um, as you guys know, on top of, you know, filming on the most recent short film, I'm also in the middle of moving. So we'll probably do two or three more episodes like this, and then hopefully by then I'll have my new studio set up over there, and we'll be able to go back to video. And uh, I'm going to try and start even getting some some special guests to come onto the show and talk about just their time in the film industry, you know, kind of change the direction of the podcast a little bit, but we'll see. But don't worry, I'll still bring you the world of movie news, you know, all four of you that care. Uh, also, I'm recording this an hour after the episode was supposed to be posted, so this one's it's going to be a little late. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, just been crazy busy all week, and I have the stories pulled up, and I'm also going to be periodically checking the um, trades for stories, because fucking, this first story we have for you dropped as soon as I, fi- like, okay, so last week I recorded the podcast Wednesday, scheduled it for Friday, and then on Thursday, the news about Benedict Cumberpatch joining Spider-Man 3 came out, and I was like, well, fuck, that would have been great to talk about. So this is a week old, but uh, surprise, Doctor Strange is going to be in Spider-Man 3, everybody. Um, this is just fucking fantastic news. And uh, obviously I'm going to lead this into more of a Spider-Verse conversation. But um, what what we know, conf- and this I got the story from The Hollywood Reporter, and uh, what, what we know that's confirmed about Spider-Man 3 in terms of the craziness is it has Jamie Foxx as Electro, or some form of Electro, and Benedict Cumberpatch playing Doctor Strange. Now, The Hollywood Reporter speculates that he's going to be in like a mentor role. I don't know if that's necessarily true, because that part of the article seemed much so like speculation and not confirmation of the like source. But um, that's what we know. And then there's the rumors that need to be addressed. So, uh, a site that um, isn't all that reliable, but they're not always wrong, ran a story that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield have signed deals to appear in Spider-Man 3. The MCU Spider-Man 3, I should say. Much like Benedict Cumberpatch and Jamie Foxx. Now, if that story was true, then the major trades would have reported it right after, because that's what happens when one story is true and someone does it first. So when the major trades didn't report it, I'm like, okay, the story is not true. But then other outlets started running separate stories that don't exactly confirm that story, but are similar to it. It, it, it's become very clear that that original site, a Fandom Wire, I think it's called, um, they just ran it for clicks. I, I think that's pretty fairly obvious, but I think that they were running it in hopes that it was true, so that if they ran it as a story and it came out, that they not only looked like they had the scoop, but also, you know, just everyone's dream happened. And, um... Other, you know, scoop people like Grace Randolph, she's not necessarily the most reliable, but she also has had some decent scoops in the past. According to her, her sources are saying that, um, basically, the no deals have been signed, but Feige's interested in that Toby's playing hard to get. Again, I'm not really going to believe that until some major trades report it, because, like I said, she's been kind of back and forth in the past on her sources. Uh, nice channel. She runs a nice channel, it's just that, you know, when it comes to scoops, she's not always the most reliable. And, um, but yeah, so a ton of stuff is going on. But now, right before I recorded this, I was ready to just say, like, oh, don't believe the bullshit until the major trades say it, like I was just saying. But then something happened yesterday. Uh, ET Canada reached out to Sony. Just, you know, for shits and giggles, for the memes. 
and asked them, hey, is there any validity to the rumors that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are joining Spider-Man 3? And Sony's response was, those rumored castings are not confirmed. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. So they deny that it's happening, but they also didn't. Like, uh, like if it was no, because like we've seen like people in the past, like remember when people were saying that Spider-Man showed up after the credits of Age of Ultron and then Joss Whedon was asked at a press conference, hey, is Spider-Man? And he was like, no, like, no, it's not happening. So like if, if things are definitely not happening, that tends to be how they're answered. So Sony's kind of not... Uh, fully no answer does actually leave me kind of like, oh shit, maybe something is being planned because the, their exact wordings are those rumored castings are not confirmed. And which that what it makes it sound like is they're trying to get them, they just don't have them yet. And if that's the case, then that's super fucking interesting because naturally it would be awesome to see Toby and Andrew, although I don't know how they would fit into the entire story unless it was a cameo for this movie and then they did another movie with them later on in like this whole multiverse storyline. But and if I'm not mistaken, correct me in the comments, as of right now, with the whole pandemic shifts of all the release dates, Spider-Man 3 is set to come out before Doctor Strange 2. And if that's the case, then that's super interesting because Sam Raimi's doing Doctor Strange 2 and, you know, he made the Toby trilogy, you know, all, all the connections, all of them. So I'm curious about that. Um, You know, let me know your guys' thoughts on this, what you think is going on and... You know, because I'm still not going to believe anything until the major trades reported or until it's officially said by the studios. But Sony's comment on that is what piqued my eyebrows like, oh, maybe they're actually trying to do this. Although they did confirm it's not the case right now. They also didn't flat out deny that they're trying, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so with all that, you know, Marvel Spider-Man gloriousness out of the way, let's move, go ahead and move on to our next story, which I'm also taking from The Hollywood Reporter. Um, this is just joyous great news. George Miller is returning to direct a new Mad Max movie, but it's not just any Mad Max movie. He is going to make a Furiosa movie, but not just any Furiosa movie either. It is a prequel about the story of Furiosa, and unfortunately, Charlie Theron will not be returning. However, they're getting Anya Taylor-Joy to play Furiosa, and this was rumored a while ago in the past, but it is now officially confirmed that that's going to be happening. And The Hollywood Reporter points out that the movie is not officially greenlit, but they are starting work, so they're expecting to be greenlit any day now. And um, joining Anya Taylor-Joy in the cast in unconfirmed roles is Chris Hemsworth and Abdul Mateen II, who um, was famously a Black Manta in Aquaman, and he's had a bunch of other awesome roles. Um, yeah, I'm beyond excited about this news. I fucking loved Mad Max Fury Road. I thought that was one of the best movies of 2015. I thought on a thematic level, it really did a great job just using the dynamics of filmmaking and storytelling to explain what was going through the headspace of these characters in that specific weird world that they were in. And, you know, just on top of that, you have these incredible chase and practical action sequences and, you know, the amazing Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron. And the fact that George Miller is still able to pull things off like that at this age and the fact that he's passionate about this prequel story is amazing. And, um... Charlie Starr was briefly mentioned by both George Miller and Anya Taylor-Joy, um, who, Anya Taylor-Joy, God, uh, she's such a great actress, I'm so excited, but um, Anya Taylor-Joy basically was just like, you know, I'm not going to try to emulate Charlize at all because she did such a good job, I'm just going to kind of take it my own and, you know, and it's in a previous headspace because it's in the past and it's like, all right, that's cool. And George Miller also said that, you know, he loved Charlize and would use her again, but 
and he thought about doing like de-aging technology, but he watched The Irishman and was like, eh, the technology's not there yet. And I would have countered with, do you, have you seen those Marvel movies? Like how Michael Douglas looks like 80s Michael Douglas? It's crazy. But, uh, you know, but at the same time, we're getting on your Taylor Joy out of it. So I am not mad in the slightest. I think that's awesome. Um, I would be curious to see who Chris Hemsworth and uh, um, Abdul Mateen are playing. It's going to be really, really fascinating to see. And I am just this is repetitive, but I'm I'm beyond stoked. I cannot wait for this movie. Obviously, we're going to be waiting a long time because not only are we currently in COVID times, but also Mad Max movies take a long time to make because of just the scale of them. So I'm I'm very very excited to see how that goes, and hopefully, uh, we'll get it as soon as possible, and not like you know ten fucking years from now. Uh, moving on to our next story, this one. Um, I'm really interested in this. I got this from Deadline, who I believe had the exclusive. Let me make sure on that, though. Um, Yes, so Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix work together on Gladiator. I, I believe that's the only film they've worked on together. I could be wrong about that. Correct me in the comments. But um, they are going to be working on a new film together because Ridley Scott apparently has just wrapped on... The Last Duel, which is the film with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Adam Driver. It's going to be amazing. And um, he is now making a biopic about the great Napoleon, the, you know, French military leader. And Joaquin Phoenix is set to play Napoleon. They're going to be collaborating together again. The movie is going to be called Kitbag. And um, I am... I mean, mark me down as excited... You know, there obviously we don't know a whole lot about it other than Joaquin Phoenix playing Napoleon and Ridley Scott directing it. But all you needed to say was Ridley Scott, Joaquin Phoenix, and I didn't really fucking care what the movie was about, let alone something that's actually historically interesting. Um, I'm really curious to see how their dynamic is going to be similar or different from the times that they worked on Gladiator. I'm curious to see what kind of you know Napoleon he's going to be playing because we've seen Napoleon a few times in cinematic history, but it's it's not like a character that many actors try to play. I wonder how much, because in the Deadline article, it doesn't really talk about the specific... Oh, no, but it does right here. I am stupid, and as I'm rereading it, it says, The film is an original and personal look at Napoleon's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor. Viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. The intention of the film is to capture Napoleon's famous battles, relentless ambition, and astounding strategic mind as an extraordinary military leader and war visionary. So there you go. That's what Kitbag is going to be about. And uh, yeah, no, I'm really excited for this. Again, it's probably going to be a while since we've se- till we see it, especially because, you know, epics take a while to get made anyway, and I have a feeling this is going to be something like that, you know, considering the last time Ridley Scott and Joaquin worked together it was Gladiator. Um, I'll be looking forward to more information about this film as more of it comes out, and, um, because, you know, Joaquin Phoenix isn't gonna be, you know, doing press interviews ahead of time, he fucking hates doing that, and, uh, so I'll have to look out on Ridley Scott's end to see, uh, what they're gonna be talking about in terms of everything that's gonna be going on for this movie, and, uh, David Scarpa's writing the script, who also wrote All the Money in the World, also directed by Ridley Scott, that was also a really good movie. Yeah, no, this is really exciting news. And, um, I, for one, will definitely be in that theater when it comes out. If it even comes out in theaters. If they're even still around. 
which is uh, another thing we're going to be talking about a little bit today. I briefly mentioned last week that Regal did close all their doors, which is unfortunate. AMC and Cinemark do not seem to be doing the same thing, which is good for me in terms of, you know, having a job. But um, also, with that being said, um, theaters are in trouble because movies keep moving. Um, Soul is now going to Disney+, Plus, which was originally scheduled to come out in November. No Time to Die has moved its date to 2021. The only really major release that's still supposed to happen right now is Wonder Woman at Christmas. And even then, as every day goes by, it's less and less likely that that will keep its release date. Um, Unless New York theaters open before Christmas or LA, I highly doubt that that's going to happen, like that Wonder Woman will stay on that date. But um, I I saw this article on Deadline that I thought was interesting. And Warner Brothers and Universal, you know, bosses, you know, higher ups were interviewed about theaters or um, studios buying out theaters because as we reported a while ago that that's legal now and they kind of laughed off the idea and said no but you know we're hoping that they do fine and we we had talked about beforehand that no studio is going to want to buy a theater but it was still kind of sad to see they kind of laugh at the idea of just remotely saving the theaters themselves because what what I thought was going to happen going into this pandemic is I really thought that studios were going to rally behind theaters and help them be saved and you know do all that but really they're all kind of seeing about the streaming game right now which is the big story at the end which I'm going to save but you know I I understand that things have to change and you have to make adjustments based on information but this whole thing of studios really kind of leaving theaters in the dust really upsets me and you know, filmmakers in NATO have written letters to Congress asking that theaters be bought out or saved, and the studios really just aren't doing anything in terms of, you know, trying to save theatrical exhibition, and it's really kind of shitty. I mean, holding off movies and pushing them to next year instead of just putting them on streaming is a sign that they want that theatrical exhibition, but, like, I, I see so many articles and things that just piss me off about, like, how oh, why don't they just move it on to Disney Plus or HBO Max, you know, whatever property. And it's like, well, yeah, you're going to make some money on Disney Plus or whatever streaming service. But like, yeah, it's not what you'd make at the theater. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and use this to go into our last story. You know, another short episode. Yay. Um, I'm pulling this from Variety. But uh, Dan Loeb, who is one of the top investors at Disney... Um, in a recent conference call, has really is trying to encourage CEO Bob Shapek to put Black Widow on Disney Plus and just major temple movies on Disney Plus, and that's because, and this is reported by all the major trades, um, Disney Plus is now the number one entertainment priority for Disney. Sorry, kind of wrapping two stories into one here, um, but what that means is, you know, summarizing those articles, there is now a new division at Disney where that will decide where the content goes. So basically anyone who's making a movie or TV show or we'll go movie. Anyone who's making a movie now has no idea or no say whether it's released theatrically or on Disney Plus. A separate division is going to make that decision as the content's being made or after the content is finished. Which for now I understand, but I hope that doesn't stay because that's kind of shitty. You know, not telling filmmakers or producers where their stuff is going ahead of time. But with that Disney Plus shift in priority, 
this investor is now like, all right, well, if we're going to make it our priority, then let's make a statement and put Black Widow on there and put these temple movies on there. And, you know, he's, what's this fucking dumb quote that he had? He said, uh, well, he compares it to Netflix and how they have this, um, I'm quoting, Netflix has this immense subscriber base that allows it to invest in an enormous amount of content. Yeah, but, but motherfucker, what you don't realize is that Netflix is also like billions of dollars in debt, you dumb fuck. God, this guy pisses me off. But um, he goes on to say, My understanding is that old line executives don't want to go over the top with their big temple movies, which is why they announced they're pushing Black Widow and other movies to 2021. I don't think they appreciate... This is the fucking dumb quote he had. I don't think they appreciate the tiger that they have by the tail. He fucking thinks he's poetic, which is to say the value that can drive moving into a subscription model, which has been adopted by everyone from Microsoft to Amazon. It's so value accredited. It's like, look, bro, I assume that this guy has kids and that he's fucking sick of them being in the house and wants them to be distracted by Disney Plus. But that doesn't mean you fucking fuck over all the money you could be making in theatrical distribution and fuck all these people who are saying like, oh, but theaters keep half the money. No, they fucking don't. They keep about a third. They roughly keep about a third of the profits. Okay. And for some, what makes me mad is right now it's looking like all of these studios are in favor of just not sharing the money, even if it makes them more money, which is fucking ridiculous. Cause like if, if I sold flowers, if I sold flowers for a living and I was doing it on my own, let's call it streaming. And I was making a hundred dollars per flower. That's pretty fucking good. But then this other company came along, we'll call them theaters, and they said, hey, we have like a much wider worldwide audience for your flowers, and we'll like sell your flowers at our exhibitions, but we want to keep like 30% when it's all said and done. I could see you being apprehensive, but if you're making $100 per flower on your own, and then you put it in theaters, and it made... $900, and you had to give a third to the theater, guess what? You're still making a whole lot more than you would be on your own thing. So even though you're sharing the profits, you're still making more money. So what the fuck is going through this investor's mind? This is fucking unbelievable. Uh, 2020 will do it to you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, I hope that Bob Shapek realizes what a dumb decision that would be, and I I hope that other investors don't try to bully him into making that decision. The good news is that Bob Iger is still the chairman of the board, and I don't think he is going to allow something like that to happen anytime soon, because they tried it with Mulan, and it failed. It failed hard with the $30 subscription, because now you can get it for $30 outside Disney+. Plus. They kind of screwed over their own subscribers there, and so they're putting Soul on Disney+, Plus at no charge, which was the smart thing to do. And it's it's just fucking unbelievable that they're even thinking about putting major temple movies on streaming. And, you know, Patty Jenkins, on the Warner Brothers side, Patty Jenkins has said Wonder Woman is not going to streaming. So that might move again past Christmas, like I was saying, but it's not going to streaming, which is a great idea, a good job. And, you know, even when you look at Tenet, it didn't do that great domestically, but New York and L.A. theaters were closed. And the theaters that were open, which were sparingly across the U.S., were able to pay their employees and stay open, albeit at reduced hours and probably wages. But they functioned and they kept it alive for a while. And and overseas, Tenet did fine. It was just the American numbers that were bad because we fucking don't know how to control this virus properly. But, you know, I'm not going to get into that on the show. But, yeah, it's 
the, the whole thing is just a big bag of dicks, and hopefully we can get out of it soon. But, uh, yeah. Um, in terms of the show, I think that's really all I have for you guys today. But, uh, you know, be on the lookout for updates about the local. The trailer should be coming out next month, as well as the poster. And, um, you know, the film's not going to come out until sometime next year. But, you know, follow the social media for more updates on that. Um, Facebook, at Movie Nights. Instagram and Twitter, at Nights underscore Movie. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.